Welcome to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. This is the only podcast that gives you a raw and unfiltered perspective of what it's really like to be a professional cheerleader. Whether you're currently on a pro team, an alumni, or really curious about what it takes to become a pro cheerleader, the Pro Cheerleading Podcast gives you all the inside scoop and hot topics in the pro cheerleading industry and in-depth interviews of current and former cheerleaders. I'm your host, Makiba. Join me every Wednesday as I reveal the truth behind the palms. Well, welcome everybody to one of the episodes that I've been wanting to do for the longest time. This is my hip hop focused group interview with some heavy hitters in this space. I think the hip hop cruise has been something that's been forming left and right. And so we have some experts on this panel. I'm so excited about this. And you guys will get to meet my intern, Kayla Shipman, who is also going to be my co-host. So Kayla, I'm going to kick it to you to introduce yourself and then we'll introduce the rest of our guests. Awesome. Thank you so much, Makiba, for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. My name is Kayla Shipman, and I danced for the Phoenix Suns Solar Squad um, for a year. And then I also, before that, was a rally back for the um, Major League Baseball team in Arizona, which is the Diamondbacks. So that's my professional experience in this space. But I did grow up doing competitive dance and dance team in high school and all that good stuff. So if you counted it all in total, it's probably like 18 years of dancing, but we're just going to ignore that. Um. <laughs> She's still a baby, whatever. <laughs> okay. Fee, you want to go next? Sure, yeah. Hi, my name is Fee Voba. I was a, a dancer for the Seattle Seahawks Dancers from 2019 to 2020. Um, and uh, that 2019 was the first year they transitioned from the Seagulls. Uh, into uh, a program that included male dancers as well as diversifying the kind of the styles integrated into the performances. Beyond that, I've been dancing since uh, it's 2022 now, so around 13 years. Yeah. Cool. And last but not least, we have Matt, who's recently retired from the Golden State Warriors Blue Crew, going out on top. Say hello, Matt, and let us know where you're kind of your background in, in dance as well. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Matt. Uh, I, like Makiva said, uh, I dance for the Golden State Warriors dance team, Blue Crew, which is their all-male hip-hop-focused dance team. I did that for three years, ended as a captain um, this season, and uh, ended now on a high on a championship. So prior to that, I've been dancing a lot um, in a uh, West Coast-based hip-hop dance community. I used to be a part of a company called the company um so helped found that uh back in 2005 um was on that for 15 years until i found the warriors um and before that i started dancing when i was seven so i'm actually a studio trained dancer danced all styles ballet uh jazz hip-hop now trying to get into tap so yeah the that's my background yeah 25 years of dancing Wow. Kathy, when you when you say company, is that like Gen Two? Okay, that's dope. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> that's cool. Clue us in. Okay, what did you know about it? <laughs> uh, I just I know of the company just by reputation and just like their work, and I guess your work apparently was definitely a source of inspiration for me uh, in many uh, many a year. So thank you for that. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's so cool. 
and trust any links that you guys have to like firework or whatever, we'll definitely include that in the show notes. So let's talk about auditions a little bit because of the process that might be a little different for hip hop crews. But if you guys can kind of talk about what made you try out for your team and what that process was like, that would be awesome in any particular order. But let's start with Kayla. Sure. Yeah. So our audition process for the Solar Squad, which I should say doesn't exist anymore. It's now a combined co-ed team for the Phoenix Suns. Before it was separated into two squads. So there was the Solar Squad, which is the more hip hop focused group. Um, It was co-ed. And then there was the Phoenix Suns Dancers, which is like their, you know, classic dance cheer leading type team, I guess. The audition process for the Solar Squad is a bit different. It's, you know, get all your application paperwork and all the things that come with an audition usually. I have been to the Phoenix Suns Dancers audition as well because I had tried out for that team first when I first moved to Arizona. So I decided to go the hip hop route after not making that team. And it was pretty exciting, honestly, because this audition actually happened at the arena, um, whereas the Phoenix Suns Dancers audition happened off at the Talking Stick Resort. That was really exciting to get to even just like go to the arena itself. It was very fun. We had the coach and a couple of different people on the panel there um, that are from the Suns Mercury organization. And we learned a couple of different combo style routines after warm-up and then went through the different, you know, rounds of cuts. I don't remember anyone actually ever being cut toward until the very, very end. And then we had to wait for like maybe a week before we received an email whether or not you were a part of the team. So that was very different. Exciting, nerve-wracking. That week was like hell, but it was exciting. (laughs) Well, you know how you guys have like traditional auditions where it's kind of across the floor and anybody can jump in anywhere, but do you have as part of the auditions, like, all right, let me see everybody do X, Y, and Z, or is it all kind of routine-based and anybody can answer? I think it was all routine-based for us. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, same here. All, all of ours is routine-based as well. Okay. Yeah. As was mine. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious because I thought in terms of like, if there were like skills or I'm going to sound so like hip hop. Well, I'll tag on just a little bit uh, um, and we can get back to yours, Kayla, if you'd like later. But um, for mine in particular, my experience was entirely routine based. But at the audition that I attended, and then this was the first year that they were, you know, opening up and, and transitioning the program. Uh, they weren't just inviting male dancers to this audition. The call was for hip hop dancers. They did not specify a gender. So male and female dancers came. All the male dancers only did choreography. All the female dancers were asked for a separate round to demonstrate any, uh, I suppose, like technical tricks would be sort of the nomenclature there, which I think, you know, can kind of trail into a conversation about what are the different expectations for gender when it comes to these things. But uh, that was kind of my experience for, for that audition. Very interesting. And what about you, Matt? I think Blue Crew is pretty established in terms of like a separate team at the time that you auditioned. Is that right? Uh, actually, like, no, it was our first time auditioning or having something like that. So it was actually separate from the Gold Squad audition. They had their prelims before, and then we had our own set of prelims. And from there, we went from a preliminary to a semifinalists. 
actually it went all the way down to semis because they cut about like more than half, like 75% of the, of people who auditioned. Um, and they took about 24 finalists into like a practice like setting where we cleaned the routine and we did it a bunch of times. We separated down into smaller groups, um, I think pairs. And then from there, we were waiting to find out on ors.com, um, to see if we actually made the team. But this last one was the first time that we auditioned with both gold and blue together. Um, because a lot of our routines, a lot of the things that we do over about 60 to 70% of our routines are done with gold squad. So it, it's a mixture of both um, male and female. And then we were lucky enough this year to have our own routines where they would pair us up with gold squad. So gold squad would have their own routine. And then in the second half of the game, the boys would come out and then we would do like sidelines together. Um, and we would do intros together. So, you know, kind of varying the experiences of what the fans would get. Um, so it's not just like a co-ed team. Interesting. I appreciate learning a little bit more of kind of what the audition process is like, just because people have been expressing a lot of, I won't say frustration, but just, you know, there's a lot more hip hop elements as part of auditions for like maybe more so of the regular teams and I was just curious because it's, it is routine based. If you're learning from hip hop choreographers or how heavy those routines are kind of loaded with hip hop elements or was, you know, kind of the flavor of what you were required to do. Coming from like other hip hop styles, this one was very game day focused. So as far as the routines that you're learning, they're a little bit more, not light, but like compared to other teams that you've seen do hip hop maybe for other things, you're not going to see like as much break dancing necessarily for our team anyway, or tricking even. It was a lot more of just like, what would you like to see on a game day and what can we connect with the Phoenix fans too? So it's hip hop, but I would say you're not getting a whole lot of like traditional styles in it necessarily. So yeah, it's a little bit of both, but you're not going to see like crumping or anything like that in it. You know what I mean? Like it's a little bit just easier for everyone to digest, I suppose. And making it like fun and family friendly was kind of the idea. But also our coach Weezy did do a great job of like integrating other styles into our choreography. So he does a lot of whacking, locking, like other things like that as well. So you do see like a variety in the routines themselves. But during the audition process, actually it was pretty like, fun a beat light was definitely just like everybody's here to have a good time and then we'll decide kind of a thing Uh, it's nice honestly from a culture standpoint compared to like the phoenix suns dancers audition or any other audition i've been to usually it's pretty cutthroat feeling and like competitive and it's very much so like we're watching you so do good kind of a thing (laughs) whereas in this space everyone seemed to be really like we're just here to take a class almost um, vibe, which was really fun and inviting, I guess, which kind of, I guess the hip hop spirit is similar to that in general. So. I'll tag on, I guess. Uh, I think just, again, it was a very specific situation because of that being a transition year. So the choreographer for that audition was Vince John Frijas, uh, who was tapped also for the first time that year to be the choreographer for the team in that style. So it was simultaneously like, you know, them, sorry, when I say them, like the past directors and and choreographers 
Courtney and Carly and people from, from past Egal's years, not only was it the first time like they were really kind of taking a step out and observing uh, this new diversification of skills and, and styles and things like that, um, it was also the first time they were leaning on somebody else's choreography, I think. And it was the first time that person was, was brought into the fold. So it was a very fresh thing. Um, and it was something that was very specific to Vince's uh, choreography for that audition. I know Vince, and this is how I figured, found out about the audition as well, just because we teach at the same studio. So I'm very familiar with his work. But as is something that happens a lot in the hip-hop world, is you go to any studio and everybody has a slightly different definition of what hip-hop means a little bit. Um, so it was a style of movement that was very familiar with me, maybe not as familiar with other people coming in for the first time. But as opposed to the possibility of like somebody not familiar with the style, trying to like set movement to like hip hop music for the first time, you know, I think, I think it worked out all right. That's good to hear. Not that that was my thought process, but it was just hoping that it was a true hip hop ish experience um, in the auditions process first, because it does seem like some of these teams fumble through trying to put a hip hop team together. So that's why I was asking, I guess, what did they make you do? Who was teaching it? Kind of like what was the vibe of what we were learning? If you want to go in depth throughout the season, I'll, I'll go in depth too. But um, <laughs> at least for a first impression, for a first impression, it was pretty good. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think for me, getting the choreographers that normally would work with uh, the Warriors dance team. So our inaugural choreographer was Michelle Vaughn. And then uh, we got to work with Shandon and Oscar throughout that first season. And then this new season, uh, we introduced uh, Rob Rich to our repertoire. So he did a gold and a blue piece. Um, and Rob was able to incorporate more stepping. And we did it specifically for Black History Month. And that was um, such a cool performance. Man. Yeah, yeah, it wow. was really, it was really special. Because I actually got to learn from Rob through quarantine. Like he was hosting all of these Zoom classes. And I, you know, to keep my choreography brain on and my dancer brain on I, I took one of his classes and um, luckily our our director Sabrina uh, leaned heavily on me this season was like who do you want to bring in and I was like Rob that's like easily yeah I, I think he's just leveled us up into like this new way of moving and being um, especially with Blue Crew but also you could start seeing his influence with Gold Squad as well cool well, I know that we did start with auditions and we can talk more about kind of like the season. I don't know if you want to pipe in now, but here I go because I got so many questions. Kayla is also my co-host, so Kayla. <laughs> Kayla, did you want to throw in any other questions around what we discussed so far? Yeah, well, everybody's different audition processes seem so fun and interesting, honestly. I love hearing all about that. But I do want to kind of ask this, and I guess you can kind of tie it into the next question as well, but what tips do you have for people that are looking into getting better at hip-hop that are technically trained dancers, um, especially now that we're seeing a lot more hip-hop coming into the space? We have a lot of girls and guys who are used to just doing jazz, palm style, and maybe don't do hip-hop a lot, or they aren't the best at it, or they're discouraged as soon as they hear the word hip-hop. So I'd like to kind of piece together a little bit of advice for them as far as like tips for getting better. Uh, I know for me personally, this is going to start to seep into some things that I do have some pretty strong opinions on, I think. Um, but, Let's go. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, 
No, I think I think what I will say in uh, in regards to this specific question, I would like to, and not just here. I've been trying to cultivate this conversation with a lot of people around me recently, but uh, just questioning and exploring what we mean when we say technical dancers and why we say technical in regards to those things and not when it comes to hip hop, because I think that's part of the misconception of of these things is like you know, that there isn't a a school of thought when it comes to any of these styles. And I mean, again, it's a very deep conversation too, because a lot of people in in this world too, when they say hip hop mean so many things. And I think to immerse yourself and to kind of approach with the same depth of understanding that you would something like ballet or jazz um, or a lot of those other older dance forms, I think, um, would give a, not just a bit better appreciation of the movement, but also like some solid building block. Like there is foundation, there is fundamentals to a lot of this movement. The reason why I say it kind of bleeds into other things I feel things on is that what I might consider hip hop is not necessarily what a lot of teams in this world would consider hip hop. And so when I and trying to teach or, you know, give advice to somebody on how to get better at hip hop. It's in what I think, but that education wouldn't necessarily apply to something like trying out for Seahawks dancers or things like that. That would be a separate train of thought. And if they were specifically asking for that, I would have, you know, certain things to say in that regards. But I do distinguish between the two sometimes. See, here I go. (laughs) Maybe that is a good place for us to start, because I feel like even talking about this, it's not like we're talking around it, but I think that might just be like the starting point of how we even frame up the conversation, right? Because what we do in the pro space, or what we've seen teams do in the pro space, how is that different from how you would define hip hop? Since you guys are better suited to kind of explain that difference than definitely than I am, I know it when I see it, and it's hard for me to kind of describe it, but how would you characterize pro team hip hop versus real deal Holyfield hip hop? Mm. Maybe that's where we should start. And even, I mean, even that is a, and I, I'm, I'm actually very curious about your take that because I, I feel like Seattle, the Seattle dance scene, or at least the scene that I inhabit, um, a lot of our circles are very directly influenced by a lot of that sphere of work that you know the company has done a lot of those socal teams and things like that just stylistically and i think inspiring a lot of movement up here in seattle with what we regard as hip-hop at least in the choreo sense i mean to you matt (laughs) yeah i mean it's hard because like there's a there's a part of me as a dance educator that did a whole lot of there's a lot of reflection, a lot of learning, a lot of listening, a lot of unlearning about things that I was holding on to in terms like uh, what Fee was saying about when we talk about technique or technical dancer, especially in the pro dance space, we're only really thinking about like ballet and jazz technique. But uh, there is technique that comes from actually doing hip hop. When we think about actually doing hip hop routines, um, what I've been trying to strive for, and especially some of our community-based dancers that are actually on Blue Crew to help out with Gold Squad is to keep things as authentic as possible, right? So like, how do we, how do we help each other understand our bodies more so that 
it's not this exclusive thing, right? Like Blue Crew only does hip hop and Gold Squad does everything else. But then when we marriage the two together, we all have to like dance together. So how do we hold on to our authenticity as hip hop based dancers that are coming from the community who, uh, who a lot of them are not coming from pro dance spaces? And then how do we help out um, dancers who are primarily this is like their experience? Um, so like for me as an educator, right, like all dance forms have lineage all the way back to like African traditional dances. So like when we think about that, we also think about like how we dance and hold on to all of that spirit and joy and allowing our bodies to actually move through the choreography. I do think that most pro dances or pro dance teams clean and perform to a particular audience and to a particular clientele. So, you know, I am very lucky and blessed to have the leadership that we have on Warriors Dance Team, right? Like they understand what the Warriors are trying to do as an organization. But at the same time, like, you know, Sabrina's done such a good job at trying to evolve the dance team. She's done so much to trust us in order to infuse a lot more hip hop technique or a lot more hip hop grooves or things like that. The way that we clean, the way we talk about musicality within the space that you normally are not seeing in the pro dance space. So I just think that dancers that I, back to like Kayla's question, like the advice piece of it is like in your off season training, like go take classes at local studios, but at the same time, challenge yourself to be critical about who you're actually taking class from. Like sometimes the people who only have 10, 15 people in their class are some of the best teachers, right? Like people always seek who has the most followers, who's shooting videos for their Instagram. But I know a lot of really good teachers that do not get people in their classes, but they are actually teaching movement. They're not coming in there teaching the eight count and the routine, but like they're actually teaching you how to improve, how to use the musicality, how to use your body, how do you let go of the things that you're holding onto or like telling yourself um, so I, I also think we need to be critical about who we're hyping up at the same time, because there's a lot of really good teachers that are actually teaching hip hop out there. I definitely agree. What about you, Fee? Were you going to say something? Uh, kind of along those notes. And, and I think and also in response to something you said, Mikiba, as well, of like kind of what is the difference between, you know, what happens in the pro space versus like other people's different perceptions of hip hop. Something that I think sets hip hop different from a lot of other styles, uh, especially in the pro space, is that hip hop and a lot of other street styles and club styles were meant to be social dances. They weren't really designed to be put on stage. They weren't really designed to be put on fields and stadiums and things like that. Um, that doesn't mean they don't have a place there, but that wasn't like their initial intent with a lot of the movement. A lot of the movement kind of came like just gigging with your friends at the club or at the house party and things like that too. So it's like, this is a weird piece of advice, but go to parties a little bit and like dance and function in social settings, because that that's the thing that kind of sets it apart for me. Like when I see a lot of what happens in pro performances in the, in the pro space of what is often damned as, as hip hop, I'm like, if I saw that at the club, I don't know if I want to dance with you, you know? And it, it just comes from a different place than something like ballet or jazz or, or something that, you know, has a, has a much deeper history of being placed and designed on to be on stage in front of people. Whereas like a lot of these things is to dance with people. So yeah, go, go party. I don't know. 
But that totally captures like what I was trying to say about Rob Rich's choreography at Pro Action because it made me want to dance with like, yes, like all of the, like, yes. <laughs> Everybody who's listening, Matt is doing some moves in the, the Aunt Viv, the Aunt Viv, you know. <laughs> yes, I mean, but that's really what I associate with it too. It's like a joy and, or just like, there's so many vibes that you feed off of with hip hop that make you feel something. And that's such a good way of putting it, Fee. It's just like, it loses some of that when you're so focused on kind of the environment or the venue or space that we're working with for performing at games. I think a lot of it comes from putting structure on something that's not supposed to be like braced, I guess. Um, Like a lot of ballet and jazz technique is very held and like everything is tight and, you know, you learn how to have structure in your body, especially if you're a studio dancer, which a lot of people in the pro space grew up as you come from knowing that you have to be like straight tight posture all the time and you don't learn how to move your spine um, (laughs) in a way that you're supposed to like let it go unless you have had someone that mentored you in hip hop in a way that actually shows movement. So I definitely agree with what they were saying about like being in a social setting or taking class from someone who's actually going to mentor you in the fundamentals first and foremost before like choreography and all the flashy things. But definitely also like doing a little bit of research, I would say is a good thing to do. Always like, like YouTube is, you know, there for you at your disposal. And instead of watching morning routines, maybe like watch, (laughs) (laughs) watch some people from the past, like watch the people in the clubs, in the underground scene and what they were doing. Yeah. Like he had said a very social thing. And I love watching like people's cypher videos even, or like just watching people, like they just jump in there and it comes entirely internal. Like there's no choreography. It's just what they're feeling in the moment. And then you'll kind of start to realize like where it's supposed to come from. But yeah, I definitely think that just like putting yourself in different circles of people is a good way to kind of reframe your mind from what you've been classically taught. I love that. I knew it was going to be layered and that it might be a conversation where we we even find our way through it. But these are great points because it just needed to be broken down. And I really, really appreciate everybody's you know perspective. Don't let me take over again, Kayla. Go ahead. <laughs> Podcast, you know? um, <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, so actually the next question was any major differences between hip hop squads and quote traditional teams, which we kind of already gotten into a little bit, but maybe we can go a bit deeper as far as like your experiences go and like your treatment by people up top. I'll start a little bit, but I actually, I don't know if I have a good, not a good answer, but like so actually okay what exactly do you mean by hip-hop squad just to clarify for my mind because i'm not sure i I am imagining it i guess i would say that the seahawks dancers counts as something like that but in my mind i mean i'm thinking of like two groups that are split separately however in a space like yours maybe it's comparative to other teams that are just jazz upon you know I thought you were talking more like hip hop groups, like outside of the pro space and stuff like that. I'm not as, I'm still learning a lot about the pro space and like other groups in the pro space. The Seahawks dancers, formerly known as Seagulls, is 
I think a very specific case, like, but I think I'm just saying that because I'm so familiar with it. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of nuance to each of these groups too. Um, but I feel like the Skelex Sanchez is a very specific case that tries to ride a lot of different lines and find balance in a lot of things. And I think is finding success over time. I know that one of the teams that I do follow for the Nets, the Nets, like hype. Nets hype, yeah. Yeah. Dope. They're dope. That's awesome. Which also, sorry, I'm going to go on a brief tangent, but to kind of connect it to a brief thing of one of the earlier questions on like advice for how to audition for a hip hop team and things like that. If you look at the Nets work, it's mostly light feet and breaking, I think, from what I can tell. Um, And that's very specific families of hip hop movement. Uh, You can't just take random hip hop classes and expect to make that scene. You have to like know your stuff. I don't even think I was really answering your initial question. So I don't know that much. That's my answer. (laughs) Well, that's okay. Because I think V has like a pretty unique experience because Seahawks dancers, it being the transition year, not really being part of the team when it was all Seagulls and then kind of like seeing that transition for it to be, and not even really like a hip hop team. I made a space when, when, (laughs) when Kayla mentioned that Seahawk dancers was a hip hop team. Cause I'm like, no, like they had amazing kind of my reaction as well, which is telling. Yeah. <laughs> they had amazing hip hop dancers on their team that I really okay, now here I go. This is not a critique of the team. It's just really like it was almost like two separate teams in one that was kind of just melded together in a way that was just I think confusing and and I, I don't know if, if there was different treatment for the male because you had a couple of female dancers that were kind of picked on the hip hop side too, but I don't know if there was like a difference in how those members of the team that were really coming from that hip hop space were treated from the rest of the team that were more on the traditional Seagalsy side. It was such a rough, not yeah. rough, it's a different transition that you probably experienced. So I could see why you're probably like, how do I answer mm-hmm. these questions? Well, I, I mean, if it's all right, I'll go into it a little bit. Um, I've been hesitant, not because I'm naturally talkative, but I just want to make sure I give full context. And I just know, you know, you and Kiva have like particular investment in, in this topic as well. So feel free to stop me, anybody, you know, whenever. But to kind of uh, delve into the situation a little bit. From what I understand, it, the decision to transition from the Seagulls, like an all-girls, you know, jazz, palm, pro, traditional sort of team into what it has now started to become uh, came from upper management, not from Courtney, not from the previous director either. It came from upper. And then uh, our director at the time, Courtney was kind of left to figure out the logistics of that. And I think she did a good job with what she knew and what uh, was made available to her, to her credit, genuinely. But yes, it was very much old seagulls and new dancers coming in together. It did feel like two separate teams kind of attempted to kind of smush together. One of the biggest difficulties was that, and I said this a little bit about our audition, they made an audition call for hip hop dancers. They did not specify gender, but one thing that became apparent throughout the season was that they expected only males. There was an equivalency of like hip hop dancers and this masculine aspect of it to be synonymous. And so there were some girls that made the team as part of us. And throughout the season, they just 
became treated like these other seagulls um, with a very specific set of skills from like, you know, that studio cheer background that these girls coming in through the hip hop edition didn't really have and had to fake it until they make it. And it was very telling on a number of things like boys do hip hop, girls have the pom-poms. There was no mixing. There's not too much option for that, which I think is a lost opportunity because, you know, we failed to play on the, the strengths of people that wasn't tied to like the genderization of a lot of these roles. Also, I want to dance with pom-poms. Like, come on, <laughs> you know, um, I'll make it look good. <laughs> yeah. So um, there were a lot of like cultural clashes and, and, and kind of bumping heads, not to anybody's blame. Like, I think it, the most I can fault was just unpreparedness. There was no like, no, nobody was like acting especially problematic or anything like that. Everybody had the team's best intentions at heart. It's just everybody comes from different places and different values and different approaches to, to get to those goals, I guess. And I think that's why it's hard for me to consider it one thing or another. Like when you call it a hip hop team, I can't really call it that. Yeah, it's different because like we were chopped out as an all male hip hop team. Um, And that was very clear. There were males also auditioning for Gold Squad, too. I remember from that first season, like, you know, I don't think there was a gender based off of that. But I do think there was that expectation for a blue crew to be an all-male team. But I feel like Sabrina, the rest of the coaches kind of had it figured out of like what our first season was going to be. Right. So most of our routines, about 90 5% of our routines were with Gold Squad. So there were 12 inaugural blue crew. So we would be paired with 12 girls. Um, And that could be a a myriad of things, right? Like we did everything from Pride Night to um, Latin Night, where we would do some partnering. So that was a lot of fun. Um, But I also uh, do think that there's this expectation of when you have an all-male team, like, you know, they should be giving out this like all male energy that you get that energy only when you watch males dance. Right. But I do think that this season, this last season was so different, right? Like we started to have our own routines. We were able to be a little bit more smooth and suave. We didn't have to be hard hitting all the time. Like we had this, we had this boy band routine, which is one of my favorites. And we were able to do everything from, um, you know, Motown Philly to BTS, it, it allowed us to kind of play into the different facets of who we are. They did a greatest showman piece, the Gold Squad, and they had one of our Blue Crew uh, members, Kyle, dance with them because he has a lot of background in jazz and palm. So they used him for a specific routine. So it was actually like really cool for like Sabrina to really let us shine in all the different ways that we can. And you know, I think the first year it was kind of weird because all of the gold squad, they kind of didn't know what we were going to bring into the space. You know, like we were doing intros with them and that had really just been the warrior girls for like the longest time. Right. So what does that look like to have males and females dancing on court um, from like beginning all the way to the end? So I think it was new. Um, but I think as we've started to navigate, we've started to actually build two different cultures, but under the same Warriors dance team umbrella. Um, so like our practices are a little bit different, you know, like Sabrina and the rest of the coaches like really relied on me and another captain um, to really clean the way that we kind of know how. 
And that goes along with like earning the trust of really understanding the brand, right? Understanding what the people above Sabrina are looking for, what the audience is looking for. So, you know, I'm very grateful for that opportunity to kind of like give my stamp on and, you know, sprinkle my own flavor on like how we're coming out on court. So I think just the real, the difference is, is like giving us the freedom to do that. Um, I know some teams aren't like that, but just blessed where I was dancing. Well, I hope just from having these conversations, it really does help for anyone who's listening um, to just pick up pieces of how this can actually benefit your teams going forward. Because I think that one of the things that you mentioned around, you know, the hip hop crews that are forming as separate from the like traditional or maybe more female teams, like Portland Rip City crew had one female dancer this past season. And it's like, you know, if there are women out there, they're just super strong in hip hop and they're kind of getting the impression of like, well, dang, you know, there aren't a lot of teams that seem to be inviting of female dancers on these crews. Like maybe there isn't really a limit and you need to kind of just go out for it and see what happens, you know, but I do think the genderizing, if I'm making up a word, that's fine, whatever. But you know, that sometimes we might need to kind of break that ceiling a little bit because I know when I went to a game and just watching the Seahawks dancers, you know, I was just thinking that we had like, again, straight hip hop dancers that are now kind of serving in this like cheerleader role. Like when you're rallying and trying to like interact with the crowd, that's probably not something that you really do. I mean, you hype up the crowd in a different way than what's kind of expected of you in a game setting. I mean, yeah, like if you've ever been to like a dance battle or something like that, or like a jam or a session like that, the the way energy is kind of used to kind of hype up the audience and, and the reciprocation of that is is very unhinged sometimes and and sometimes like i have to catch myself on the field and just be like ah just waving the towel not in a bad way there's there's a lot of nuance that i learned about about that as well it's just funny yeah see that's the revert when i go out there that's how i that's the kind of energy i bring into the space right like i don't try to like be like a gold squad trying to like hype up the crowd like no like they're coming out there to see guys dance. And like, this is the kind of energy that we're bringing anyways in our own dancing. So like, I'm like, let's go like pump it up and like, just trying to like get them to engage with us in a way that kind of brings these elements of right. Like uh, watching or being a part of the hip hop community when you're in community with each other, like you want this, what you said, this reciprocal exchange of energy and like, But I think that's everyone else's agenda, too. Like, every time that they come out to the field or they come out to the court, like, that's the goal. It's not out there to, like, stand there and look pretty. Like, we are dancing. We are hyping people up. We're trying to get people excited, you know? Like, so, yeah, I have a different kind of, like, when I'm out there, I'm like, hey, let's get it. Like, we got to get up in our seats. Oh, my God. But I'm only saying this because, like, with Seahawks, Okay, so put it this way. I was told by a prior director that my way of getting hype and hyping people up was a little too, like, I had to kind of tone it down. And, yeah. like, there's a certain way to rally that looked more presentable, I would guess. you. Oh, would no, say. they but, didn't. Mm-mm. Oh, yes. It was kind of, I don't know what I was doing, but it was very natural for me. And I was hyped. I don't know. So I don't know if you guys were coached, like, how to like, wave that towel is your way of rallying or anything. I'm not saying that that was the case, but I could see at least on the female dancer side, like we couldn't get hype the way that we wanted to. I could see that, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like that's the same for us too. Like 
I was a female on the hip hop team. So in our mind, like they wanted everyone to get people hype in a hip hoppy way. That's Phoenix terms for you. But it's very different, I guess, based on like where you're located. Like I could see Bay Area, like everybody being very like hype and chill with you going out there and like hyping in the most natural way possible. But definitely here it was one of those things that they're very careful about. You're walking a fine line of people that aren't used to seeing hip hop on a daily basis and aren't really immersed in that culture. So like a lot of our fan base isn't, you know, it's, you have to be very careful about how you do that. And that's unfortunate, but a lot of it was going in and maybe this is different now because as the team has evolved and actually like improved over the years, the people that have come is different and they've done a really good job of kind of shaping the brand differently as well um, since my time on the team. But during my time, I have to say that it was very like, okay, like, the Suns dancers go out and they have their palms and they're looking pretty and cute and jumping around and doing whatever they do to the hype. And you guys go out with these signs and you jump around and hype people up differently. Don't do what they do. So even though a lot of us came from like studio backgrounds and like, what if I want to jump around? Like, what if I want to swing my hair back and forth? That's how I get hype. Like, but a lot of times like, you know, like, you're like, oh, you're on the hip hop team. And so there were some, like, I feel like I can do both, but there were some people that were on the team that were more technically trained that don't know how to hype in a hip hop way. However, they were on the hip hop team. So they looked kind of awkward, honestly, being like, whoop, whoop, trying to yeah. raise the roof over here. And I'm like, please stop. Um, no. <laughs> so it, it's a hard, a hard balance between the two, but I definitely agree that that is one of the major differences. It's like how you hype people. And I hadn't thought of that originally. So Thank you all for bringing that up. Yeah, it's like, it's weird because we're one of five teams for the Warriors. Like not many organizations can say they have that, right? Like it, it only goes, shows a testament to how Sabrina has grown the program and Blue Crew is the newest out of all of them, right? So like the kids could do, like they can get away with different sets of moves that we can't, right? And we have our own like, um, like GS Breakers, right? Like they bring that kind of um, like more of what people think of hip hop. And then, like, you know, uh, my favorite, like, the Hardwood Classics, like, they, I feel like they can do no wrong, right? Like, um, so I guess it's, for us, it's a little bit more clear of, like, the roles that we play within the organization to kind of bring a more um, fuller experience. So it's not just, like, one thing, one one image, one way. Um, Like, we're bringing five different ways. And then if you count, like, our hype squad, like, we have our own hype team that does all of the things like bringing out the signs, throwing out like t-shirt toss or a cannon, like there's a separate squad for that too. So like we all have our role, I guess. You mentioned the breakers. And so I was just curious how they are incorporated into game day since you mentioned that they have probably more of the traditional hip hop. Do they kind of perform before the game? No, they have, they're incorporated during game day. They don't do like intros, but they'll come out and do their own like fourth quarter sidelines. Like they'll make two pods and like they'll have like a breaker coming in so a little bit more traditional of like freestyle um and then sometimes they'll combine that with like the gold so you'll see gold and the breakers together yeah so i I think it's cool like we're we're able to like kind of mix and match of who we send out there that's awesome okay now i need to go to a game and see them because i didn't haven't (laughs) seen them (laughs) they're cool they're cool (laughs) yeah we have like a dunking team and very similar like they bring a lot of like 
the hype in like almost a hip hop kind of way. They don't dance, but they definitely can entertain the crowd. A lot of them do tumble as well. So they bring that element into it. But yeah, definitely really cool to hear about all the things that you guys have structured around that. I love that. Are there any other differences that you guys experience as far as like treatment goes or just like your time being there? I mean, for us, I think a lot of the differences came from like what you were provided maybe not just compensation but also um well that too but also (laughs) like uniforms things like that that you were expected to have like a lot of times we have our one uniform that we were supposed to have for the season and then it was designed by I don't know who honestly but it was not the best hip-hop looking outfit and I think they tried I do however we all looked at each other when it came in and was like the shoes. <laughs> the shoes for me honestly they were like nike running shoes like who wears lace up running shoes to do hip-hop personally i don't but but see, these are things that okay just for people who are listening need to talk about like what do your hip-hop crews or hip-hop dancers really want to be wearing or maybe they really 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 should be involved in the uniform design or selection process because sometimes the outfit can just ruin the whole vibe of it even being hip hop at all. And so that's, I think, a good conversation of like, what's a good, cool way to incorporate the brand where it's actually like the vibe. It's just not representative of the vibe that they're probably going for. So maybe having a little input would be would be good. The other team had multiple uniforms to pull from. So part of me thinks that like, if we had multiple uniforms, maybe we could have avoided the shoes <laughs> from that specific one or you know pulled pieces from other ones to kind of make it our own but like whereas they left in the middle of the game and came back with a different outfit on for halftime and then left again and had different colored palms like they had a large repertoire to choose from when it came to what their costuming was like and it felt like they were treated more as like performers um whereas we had like even just from like locker rooms, not to say that they didn't plan for this ahead of time because there are only so many locker rooms in the building, but they had like a full locker room, which is very nice. We had a green room that was like used to hold artists usually when they come in for our entire team. So mirror space, like all the things we had to bring our own mirrors. There was one small bathroom, like we're all kind of trying to work with whatever we have. And that was kind of unfortunate. I feel like as far as that goes and even just like yeah the costuming and stuff like that I wish that we had more to pull from we did end up eventually like asking if we could use the t-shirts that we got so like even the t-shirts that we were tossing during that we'd wear some of them and like tie it in a little knot and try to like make it look swaggy (laughs) and I was like this is really hard or we get a tank top for a specific event like we do have a really big Hispanic draw as far as like our bands go so they have a whole like Los Suns which I think is really cool. So we do have like little sun shirts or like separate things for separate ideas, but we had to try to like use those at other times, which I think is fine. Just to, but Just yeah. to have some variety though, right? Just I mean, something. that's probably like just for resources for when you have multiple teams, you know, hopefully distributing the resources in a way where you're taking care of everybody on the same level. I mean, I know sometimes what I've noticed in monitoring this space is, you know, sometimes the lack of space on the website or, you know, maybe 
social media accounts that are different from like kind of the main account so that you can kind of get to know these other teams better, like having their bios up or pictures up or something that kind of makes the visibility more equal across the board. These just things to think about because I do think sometimes these auxiliary teams form and it's more of a maybe an afterthought when it comes to kind of like how you market that team and what you provide for them in terms of resources. I don't know if others agree, but that's just what I've observed from looking at other hip hop crews. It's like, okay, great, you form one, but like, how do we get to know those dancers? And are they used in the same capacity of like, for appearances and promos and things of that nature? And hopefully that is something that's not too differentiated just from the way that the teams are managed. Yeah. I mean, I think it all goes back to like a previous comment I made, like our organizations prepared to, to really grow with what they're trying to add into this space. Right. Like for us, like, I believe that our budget is distributed fairly, like dependent on how many games we're doing. Right. And I also know that like uh, Sabrina herself, like I know the Warriors have a standard, but Sabrina has her own standard too, which is oftentimes higher than the brand. Um, And, you know, that's what we're performing up to. So she fights tooth and nail to make sure that we're well resourced. Um, We do have fits, right? Like we got practice fits, we have practice shoot, like everything's compensated for, right? Like, and I know that's not the deal. Um, but like I said, like, we also have to learn how to grow and be flexible with, with things that are happening from day to day, right? Like there was something that I noticed where like the Warriors dance team um, social was really primarily just highlighting all of the girls, right? So, you know, I had a one-on-one with Sabrina and I was like, is it possible to just have a Blue Crew representative on social just to like think of content to create for us? Like it was not even a question. She's like, yes, let's do it. Who do you have in mind, right? So now we have a Blue Crew member on our social team that really thinks of how can we showcase ourselves on the Warriors dance team. So it's not trying to fight gold squad and blue crew like we're trying to be warriors dance team and also learn how how we are individually um so you'll see us on like the lives or even like in the prep classes like i've been doing a lot of the prep classes and and it has been blue and gold together um and a lot of our posts are diversified too so you'll see like probably my face or like other people's faces along with gold squad so yeah like i said i think organizations that are still moving in this way, um, need to be prepared to evolve and grow with it, both financially and organizationally. I think Chicago does a great job. Like I follow three one two, right? Like three one two crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they're dope. But I also like there was this video that came out about like they work with like a designer that tailors for their specific performances. Um, they also have like their own brand too. So I think that's been cool to see like across the country, right? Like of how other teams are, are really navigating all male crews. Um, how are they building their own brand and identity? Um, and I think, yeah, I always like everything that they do too. I'm like a huge fan. I love that you guys are highlighting the, the examples that stand out for you in this space because again, that stupid Instagram algorithm doesn't really show me everything that for all the teams that I do follow, but it is exciting to see what's happening with like Nets Team Hype and 312 Crew. And, you know, you have other, like the Hive hip hop crew for Charlotte, like there are other crews out there that just, you just don't see or hear about enough. So I love that you guys are shouting out the ones that stand out for you. You know, kind of on that note, you know, we do see more of these hip hop performance teams forming or a shift for I don't know if we're calling it traditional teams, but more of a hip hop focus in these performance teams. 
So I just want to kind of leave it open, like what your thoughts are, like what do you think is the real reason behind that movement towards focusing or highlighting hip hop? How do you feel about it? And any guidance as to how that can really be a good thing versus kind of like a eh kind of a thing? Start with this one if that's cool. I feel like, well, first I have to say, Matt, I think that's really great that they're able to balance the two and kind of work with them together. And I feel like a lot of other organizations that are starting to shift in this way can learn from the Warriors organization and how they're managing them. Because I do see a lot of both teams on their social media, they're highlighted in that way. And I think that's so awesome because it wasn't like that for us. But I also feel like, especially because they could balance the two as separate things and have their own identities, I think that's really special because now it's a combined team for Suns Entertainment. And part of me feels like, They didn't need to necessarily combine the teams. It could have been two separate things that lived in harmony because now you're seeing people that wanted to still remain in the organization feel like they have to shift to a more calm jazz type entertainment in order to stay relevant and keep a job, which is unfortunate. And then people that are used to jazz palm feel like they have to get good at hip hop all of a sudden in order to keep a job. So it's a difficult thing, but I definitely feel like as far as the shift towards a more hip-hop industry question that you had, is that hip-hop is entertaining. Um, People like watching it. We're cool. (laughs) Um, So I just have to say, like, even for me personally going to a game, like, I enjoy when a DJ puts on a hip-hop song more than a country song. I'm not going to lie. Nothing against country. It just doesn't hype the crowd always the way hip-hop does. And I feel like that's just, yeah, it's relevant in just the culture and the base and the way that it moves people and it's exciting and just yeah not that jazz in palm can't be exciting because it definitely can be but I think that people are noticing how much of a draw there is towards that now and even in hip-hop music in general it's getting way more mainstream way more popular you see a lot of people from different backgrounds enjoying artists now that they wouldn't have even thought of listening to that type of music years ago even five years ago so it's really interesting to see how like that dynamic shifts into the dance space as well because they are kind of married since we dance to music but I feel like also when it comes to that shift of what's happening in the space it makes room for a lot of dancers that didn't formerly have a place in hip-hop to be able to you know get a job on a team like this and have this kind of a experience which is awesome And I know a lot of people feel like it also takes away from people that had a job and an opportunity to be in this space that don't do hip hop now or aren't comfortable with that style. So it is difficult, which is why I mentioned that, like, I love the Warriors being able to keep both and just like remain in harmony. Yeah, just like making space for everybody. Yeah, like why you have those trade-offs. Exactly. It shouldn't have to be one or the other. And like we had mentioned before, like, it's nice to see that there is like a female on a hip hop team and maybe like that's, you know, traditionally all men. And maybe there's now space coming that there's a lot of men being able to audition for what are formerly known as all female teams in the jazz and palm space that are really talented in that area. Like they don't need to just do hip hop because they're men, if that makes sense. And same vice versa. They women don't have to do jazz and palm just because they're women. So I feel like in that way, it is nice to see these co-ed teams forming and the respect coming from maybe 
I don't know if it actually is coming from upper management, but it feels like maybe there is a bit of respect coming from that both are able to entertain in the same way and that maybe we can just put them all together. But yeah, I definitely think the shift is interesting and different organizations are handling it well and others need to learn from them. But yeah. I think that, yeah, I mean, bias. I think it's great. I think it's cool. I think that what I would like to see, like for future reference going forward is like, whether that's for for teams in the midst of, of this process kind of shifting or teams thinking about it or anything like that is I think to just really establish a good solid and universally like acknowledged sense of intention and and I guess purpose with what you want the shift to bring I guess and that could be on on like a smaller level of like we want to show that girls can do this as well or hey we want to show that guys can do this other thing I think about this a lot just because I now find it entertaining, but one of the most noteworthy experiences of my Seahawks dancer career was seeing a lot of the online comments uh, regarding the boys joining the team. So many comments of people being like, I'm not going to get a calendar this year. And I'm like, cool. So (laughs) that tells me, I think that, you know, I'm sure that's not the entire fan base, but there is a portion of the fan base that expects a certain kind of product from a certain kind of, you know, performer. And if you want to cater to that demographic, you kind of have to know what you want to give them. And just just be aware of all those different aspects and facets. And, and to be like, if we want to take a step away from that, then, you know, just be really deliberate as well and be like, okay, we don't need only the girls to be, you know, super tan and wear certain kinds of clothes and things like that. Because if the intention is like, yeah, wow, this culture is very current. It's very hip. It's, it's a really energetic way to connect to the next generation of fans for the sports uh, and, and everything. Then yeah, like own that and lean into that. And don't let the message get muddled, I guess, is, is my, my thing. Yes, because they do not, it, when it's not clear or not that they need to be all up in the comments, but I do totally agree with you, Fee, that there needs to be some expression of the direction that they're going and not the like canned, we want to evolve and be more inclusive, like be, be real specific with what you're looking for. And when you have these auditions, like, making it clear what your vision is for the team that you're forming. I think it'll just clarify a lot, both for the people who are auditioning and it just kind of establishes the brand, especially if you're doing this as a a net new team or a major shift from what the team used to be. Having some clear messaging around that goes a long way. And I think that's probably like step one that's like a little bit off in terms of how I've seen teams handle it is it's just not very clear. And, you know, you're looking at, audition requirements and they have like all these different skills that they're looking for and you're just left confused like well what the heck are you creating here you know just it becomes confusing and I think it can just go such a long way to have like you said clear intention and a message around that intention would be a great great start thanks for sharing that yeah and to to just go off of that as well I think I value that clear communication and intention more so than necessarily like the know-how like I think I still appreciate 
that sort of communication. And I can accept that like teams are still figuring it out. Like, especially a lot of, you know, the more quote unquote traditional teams. Yeah. I don't expect you to know like the cultural differences between what, you know, the seagulls were doing five years ago versus what I've been doing for the past decade and stuff like that. I don't expect you to know them. Um, but I think, you know, expression of intent will go a long way and in, in making that conjunction of cultures like really, really seamless. Um, I have a lot, I have a lot of thoughts and I think it's going to verge on, on a topic that we were going to get into, or we will probably get into, I think, you know, hip hop itself, Kayla, I agree with you. Hip hop's just more entertaining, right? I also think like from a financial standpoint, like hip hop sells more records, um, especially now, nowadays, right? Like, and, and you have more hip hop, more pop artists that lends itself to dancing hip hop or, uh, that kind of style or choreography, they're the ones watching games in the VIP section, right? Like you're seeing everyone. Like I got to dance in front of Jay-Z. Like that was cool. So I just think it sells more. Um, I think it's more inclusive, you know, in terms of like the audience, right? Like depending on what you use. Um, so I think that piece of it. I also think that the shift towards uh, teams really either incorporating more of a hip hop focus or like going full hip hop. I mean, my third answer will kind of like round that out. So I think it's absolutely necessary because of the one that you posted, the story that you posted about appropriation and appreciation. I think that teams need to really figure out if they can call what they're doing hip hop or not. You know, like, (laughs) I mean, I say it with grain of salt, right? Like, I'm lucky that like, you know, our coaches and our organizations like really appreciative and leaning on us to leverage the knowledge that we're bringing into this space, right? Like, yes, we may be new to the pro dance scene. However, we're coming in it with a lot of knowledge. So it doesn't hurt, you know, it doesn't hurt for you to say, how would you clean this, right? Like I remember one of my gold captains, maybe last season in the transitional year, or even in our first year, like, she just asked, right? Like we weren't cleaning pieces yet. We were all rookies. So why would we clean pieces? So she would ask like, how would you do this move? You know? And like that meant a lot to me because, you know, you humbly asked or just said you didn't know what or how to do it. And you were leaning on me to kind of help you out in this way. And then we like grow together. I don't see a lot of teams doing that. I see a lot of teams settling and hiding behind this pro dance umbrella however right like pro dance i think if you're gonna do hip-hop and if you are going to take moves and you are going to take moves knowing where you got them from and you're not able to actually talk about the historical significance behind it or where it's actually connected to then you shouldn't be incorporating it into your choreography i saw the percentage of how many people said it's just appreciation I think it all depends, right? Like mm-hmm. I, that's the the piece of it of like this whole having an all male hip hop crew. I'm also representing all the people that have helped me and mentored me and that have taught me, right? Like I have to do that justice even on the court. So I'm fighting for authenticity every single time we do a piece. I'm speaking up when I know something's wrong. Like, I'm like, that groove is wrong. That groove should not, like, you're not even adding any body, any, like, any isolation. Like, where's your rock? That looks looks totally, like, watered down, you know? 
Oh um, my God, like I'm screaming inside, Matt. Like this is, <laughs> thank yeah. you for like, cause this is the part that I feel like is like missing from yeah. the way, and if people could see us in the Zoom with our little squares, <laughs> we are like on mute, but like snapping, clapping, doing arms because we're so in agreement here. But that is what the distinction, I think, between that question of appropriation versus appreciation. You can tell when those things are lacking. And I'm so excited to hear that there was space and respect to, to trust and lean on people who are from the culture and can share that knowledge and that it was, like you said, the humility of there being an exchange and a respect for things being different and no less discipline. Like you said, as uh, Fee had mentioned earlier, like the training and there's needs to be that kind of respect shown for the art form so that it's not like, oh, we just get to water it down and do whatever we want because it's pro. Like that's not acceptable. Yeah. And I just love that you had that voice and that they were obviously listening too. Because when I was dreaming of this episode in my mind, I was just putting myself in the shoes of people who were really trained as technicians in hip hop and whether they felt a little bit of a conflict in performing in this space because it was so different maybe from what, or not authentic to what they believe they exude as performers and how they express themselves. And I was just like, ew, I wonder if it's like a conflict of like the fact that I'm doing this, is this just like wiping away all of my- Girl, <laughs> I had to earn it. I think the other facet of like my last answer is also like what other teams can be doing if they're like considering this change. I also think that like for me as a dancer, as part of the Warriors organization, there's so much history. Like the Warrior Girls have so much history for the Warriors, right? So like I also have to honor that too when like I'm also taking space, right? Like there were, you know, like potentially I might have taken a spot from another spot that they could have had for for Gold Squad, you know, but I also like this is just now the new caliber or the new brand of a Warriors dancer. And I, I think that I should be moving through this with a lot, a lot of respect, not dismissing like the the history and the legacy of like the Warriors dancers. Like I remember this season they had like a an anniversary dance like generationally and for me I, it was cool just to even be a part of like that family and i was there with some of our blue crew we weren't dancing and there were like more than 100 dancers but like from generations so to to also remember that piece of it that like i didn't come in my rookie season saying like i know better right like i also had to be humble about it and pick and choose work the ways that were already afforded to me, right? Like if I believed that there was a move that we were watering down, approaching one of my captains and having a conversation or approaching Sabrina or one of the coaches, like there are ways to still fight and advocate for yourself. Like it kind of goes back to your um, question, Kayla, about what advice, like if you are considering making the jump from like a community dancer or someone who's real deep in the hip hop community and trying out this pro dance space, like this is not our community, but it can be a part of it and you can be a part of it too. So you have to know how to learn how to navigate that with respect. Like you can't just go in there and be like, okay, we're just doing the things our way. It doesn't work that way in anywhere. So yeah, I, I wanted to put that piece to because there's so much history and legacy that I think is being erased from some of the moves that are happening to a full co-ed for the sake of inclusivity. Like, I think that was the wrong way, you know. Thank you for sharing that. I think that 
I mean, the DMs were always like going off and the, the poll questions kind of people respond. But I think for a lot of the female dancers that have those conflicting feelings, just hearing that perspective helps bridge our worlds together because I know that people are excited that there are, there's just a lot more opportunities for for everybody now. And I think it's just learning, hearing these conversations that kind of bridge that understanding and respect for one another. And it's just super appreciated. I mean, I, I'm excited to share this episode beyond belief because I just think it's it answers so many just nuances and, and different sides and perspectives of things. V, did you want to chime in it as well? Yeah, I was just gonna say I really appreciate that perspective, I think, because I feel like that voiced and, and put to words a lot of the processing that I hadn't completed. And, and maybe if I had been on the team for longer, like maybe I would have reached a, a similar place. But I feel like that really resonates with me, I think. I think in a flip way as well, kind of going back to another thing that Kayla was asking earlier about, you know, the, the tips for dancers coming in who want to audition for hip hop teams and stuff like that. For any non-hip-hop dancers transitioning into this, I think it is important to be like, okay, well, how much time have you spent training in jazz or ballet or such and such? Cool. Do that all for hip-hop as well. I think that kind of acknowledgement and respect shouldn't go unnoticed because it's like, I get how it is a difficult conversation to have depending on like with different people and things like that. And I don't really have the perfect answer to this, but I think it does contribute to the erasure that Matt was talking about when too many people get away with the assumption that you can just kind of pick up the diversity aspect, you know, uh, of just like picking these things up to, to stay with the times and things like that. It's like hip hop as a style and culture and a lot of these other street styles are young in comparison to a lot of things, but they've, it's, you know, it's been like 50, 60, 70 years now. So like, there's a lot to draw from and there are people in the world, not in the pro space, but you know, like Matt was saying, there are other people to, to kind of lean on when you acknowledge that you might not have that to begin with. And I think when we build on that, that, that works out pretty well. So. For sure. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And I feel like, like you were saying, there are other people in the community that's not the pro space that have that knowledge and I feel like people bring in outside choreographers all the time for palm and jazz why not reach out to that community and get the real deal if you want hip-hop find someone out there it's not that hard we have social media (laughs) that knows what they're talking about that knows what they're doing that can come in and choreograph for you if you aren't capable of doing so yourself as a coach like your job is to be able to structure and provide for your team and for the organization what is being expected in the most authentic way, even if that's not what you can personally provide. So I feel like if they, as a coach, can be like, well, I mean, I'm not that great at choreographing hip-hop. Don't just try. Like, go find someone that's good at choreographing hip-hop and have them come in and do it. Um, Please, for the love of God, just... (laughs) at a dance recital for little kids it's different for you to be like let me just try and put some bubblegum hip-hop together and we're just gonna do a little bounce clap but in this space that's professional and entertainment on a mass level like you have the budget for bringing people that aren't maybe necessarily that well known like we talked about earlier they're not probably going to be all out there in your space anyway, but they will be well-known 
in the community. And that'll bring in a whole new respect, I think, too, to the space if you are showing that. Respect is the biggest thing, honestly, like for all of it. Just be respectful. Exactly. And I think that is the basis and foundation for how I think we all can move forward in that right direction is just respectfully knowing what you don't know and having the humility to seek it out in a way that's showing that respect and deference is just, I think, key. And when I don't sense that that's happening, I get a little, you know, annoyed because I think that there's this thought around what's good enough to kind of slide as hip hop for purposes of a game. And I just disagree with that approach. You know, and I'm imagining directors trying to have this conversation if that's not really the vocabulary that they're working with or the awareness, you know, how can we expect them to have conversations with upper management that says like, hey, I want this and trying to educate them. Well, if you want that, this is the way that we need to go about doing it. I think it's just, hopefully this conversation in this interview will generate at least thoughts to what you may not know and maybe just reaching out to people who know better to help you kind of formulate and provide what your management is looking for, but doing it in a way that's respectful of the art, number one, the culture, and and your dancers that are on these teams because they're the ones out there doing it and they should feel just as proud on a court or a football field as they would if they were at a party, house party, doing the, <laughs> doing the ding-dong thing. I will say that, like, I've had many a conversation with Sabrina. Um, I'm just glad that she's, like, such a willing and, and humble coach. I seek her out, but she also seeks me out, too. So, like, we have this open communication with each other. So I, I think there are ways for teams to work harder for having a more authentic version of your style, right? Like I think that when choreographers come in, when, when Shandon or Michelle or whoever we work with come in, like, yeah, we try to emulate as best as we can the, the authenticity of the choreographer, but all dance teams have their own style of cleaning the way that they execute. Um, and that's in the vision of the coach. It's in the vision of the assistant coaches and the captains, right? So I think there are ways that teams can work harder, like the way that we have worked hard and are still working towards having a style of hip hop in the way that still is part of the brand. We're not trying to move into this hip hop way and doing it that way, but we're doing so in respect to what the foundation of the organization. Yeah. I think it can also, it can be a collaboration. Like I don't want coaches to feel like they have to bring in someone else because they can't do the job and like they're not fit for it. But there's also some nuance and technique to placing a formation for the field or for the court that maybe other people don't know. So there can be collaboration as far as like, maybe we need them for choreography, but I can do the placement of how this is going to work, the formation transitions, because it is different when you're watching it. Like he said before, he was mentioning, you know, how it's not traditionally made to be set on a court. So there's going to have to be a little bit of like conversation between the two and working together to create a piece that can be both authentic and fit well in the stadium or court setting. Oh, this is so dope. I mean, this is exactly what I was like envisioning for this conversation. I mean, man, I think... The only other thing that we haven't really touched on was just kind of your last question, Kayla. Yeah, my last question was, what was your favorite memory being on your team? I actually really, really, really enjoyed uh, Torchlight Parade, which was the first, 
I think for my year, the first like performance that we had as a team, like in uniform and everything like that, it was really great to have that first performance, like my first real impression of like what it meant to be a, uh, a performer in this space, to be like a parade, because I think it really drew on a lot of those things that if it's not already apparent that I really value, like my favorite moments are like high-fiving kids on the parade and stuff like that, like those things. And then what's less natural for me is to be on field, you know, like really nice and proper and then like do the routine and then come back in like that stuff. That was a bit more like discipline, Um, the parades and stuff. Those moments, whether or not I was doing choreography, whether or not I was like freestyling or even if I was just like chilling and just like hanging out with fans and stuff like that. Those are the ones that I enjoyed the most. Like you didn't have to pay me. I would have done that for free. That was great. I loved it. And B, just because you mentioned it earlier to the comments and kind of the reactions of fans that might have been used to Seagulls, overall, I will say that one thing that stood out for me for yours that season was one of my favorite parts of being a part of Seagulls was like our junior program. And when I saw the program for Seahawks dancers for the first time and seeing the group of boy dancers that you guys had and just, man, that footage like just touch me right here because I never thought about it all of those years of while I was on Seagulls that there may have been even little boys that maybe wanted to do the Junior Seagulls program that didn't get a chance to do it. And then seeing with the Seahawk dancers and now it's co-ed that there are little boys that have a place and a space to perform and how proud they looked like, man, I had like all the feels because I just think that you being part of the team and the team changing in the way that it did it just opens up so many doors in the minds of our youth that I saw right there through my little phone screen, just the footage from the Seahawks dancers. Um, the What do they call them? Junior Seahawks dancers, yeah. I'm sorry. Well, okay, can I change my answer? Because now that <laughs> sounds like the coolest part. Uh, <laughs> it's a close second, okay? It's a close second. But yes, yeah. you're 100% right. And that is one of the things I'm most proud of to have been a part of. So thank you for acknowledging that. Oh, of course. You guys are role models and breaking down doors for, you know, dancers to come and hopefully consider this as an option and hopefully teams get much better at what they're putting out there in that way so that it's even more prepared and programs are kind of built out in a way where it's really something that people can consider as an option. What about you, Matt? Oh, man. (laughs) Too many memories. Um... Like I was telling uh, Mikiba earlier, like we opened up Chase Center. So like not many people get to say they were the first ones to dance in a brand new arena. So that was an insane feeling. What I would probably miss the most is the work leading up to the performance. Mainly because like I think that the environment that Sabrina cultivates within the Warriors dance team is so like she always talks about, it's always growth mindset, right? Like you could have a really bad practice, but the energy around you is like, everyone's working towards being on the same page, right? And like understanding and knowing, like where you feel the energy around you while you're on court. So I felt that a number of times um, throughout my three years during COVID, like we kind of, I think we revolutionized like dance concept videos in a lot of ways. So like, yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> and that, I mean that too, like it was a, such a favorite memory. Cause like Sabrina was like, what do y'all think? And I was like, all right, cool. Like I have so many ideas. We turned it into this year too. Like the matrix video that we did was one of my favorites. 
And then like, I think being a veteran, like that is such a cool memory for me, like being able to lead rookies. Like we had a lot of rookies, right? Like we only had about six blue crew vets. We actually had blue crew vets for the first time ever come back. We had five veterans from gold squad, like a good number uh, over half of our team were, were all rookies, right? So just being able to be a, a role model for them and a leader for them, uh, that is a good memory. And I remember like playoffs, like there is something different, like the regular season's like, okay, cool. But that first playoff game, the energy is so different. I like, I felt a shock go through my entire body when I was out there and they were like starting the game. I was like, whoa, like this is actually different. And then like, you know, the parade's cool. Like, you know, championship parade was fun. And then like just seeing and being with fans at Chase when the Warriors won. And this was a little bit special because I think my honest opinion, I think these were the fans that got priced out. So these were like fans from like OG, like Oakland, East Bay fans like you know we had like this little thing where pilo gets on the jumbotrons like east bay where you at and like the whole place erupted um and these are like fans that like are true warriors fans so being able to one enjoy that moment with them was something that i will never forget because it, it's like they they were the ones that helped build chase center right like their loyalty helped build the brand that we have now so yeah so many memories <laughs> Mm, that's so good yeah what about you Kayla I have to say my favorite memories came from before the game even started honestly usually just like being with your team for us we had like a pregame hype moment I guess that we we went outside of the arena and welcomed people into the arena before every game we usually had a DJ out there with us as well and that was something that was special just for the solar squad which I thought was really cool that we got to do that because we were good at hyping and welcoming people so (laughs) we got to be out there with our little dj man and as people are approaching the arena and like coming in from all over downtown phoenix getting off the light rail like you know however they managed to get there all these different people are like slowly walking with their little kids or you know different things and you're seeing the jerseys and the different attire some are for our team some are for the opposing team but all of the excitement and energy was the same. And we usually did like a cypher circle out there before every game. And so for me, being from a studio background, that was kind of uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie. For the first few games, I was like, you want me to do what? Like, I know how to freestyle for an audition um, <laughs> amongst other people, but not by myself in a circle. Uh, so that was a little bit nerve wracking at first, but as the season progressed, I feel like I grew so much as a hip hop dancer because I had that experience of watching the other people on my team and then feeling like I had the space to try. And it was scary, but like, that's how you grow as a dancer. And there were people on our team that the people that I learned from the most were dancers that came from a community background, a street background. They didn't take dance classes, maybe because they couldn't afford them, maybe because it wasn't interesting to them. Or they came into dance later in their life that it wasn't like a time that they grew up in a studio. But I loved watching them in the cypher circles because their improv skills were phenomenal. It wasn't just like pieced together pieces of our choreography (laughs) that you just like pull out of your back pocket and try to do to whatever song is on. But it was like 
they really were just going at it and I'm watching them like are you people seeing this like and a lot of times you know people are walking they're on their way in they're getting their tickets and stuff ready I'm like stop watch them like do you see what's happening here this is craziness but it came from our own team like being the hype circle screaming and yelling and you know being authentic that people would stop and be like well, what's going on over there and come and watch and that was the best feeling when we could get them to stop from the craziness and excitement of getting in the arena with your child in this hand and cotton candy in that hand and they're all like you know you're all over the place but if they could stop for just a second and watch us and then when they pull out their phones too and like you know that they're really getting it and if they wanted to share this with someone later was really exciting to see and then sometimes the kids would join in oh that was the best like if there was a little kid that was a dancer or even not a dancer and they felt like they had a place too and they would just like want to join in the circle and get down with us and that was so special so those are my favorite moments so I have a like probably a dumb question but I just hearing that confirms what I thought was kind of like the guiding light behind teams moving in this direction like I understand that it's an arena or a stadium but like why isn't that enough for like the performance that's on the court like for me, it, I would want to see that bottled up and put on a court so that people can feel that energy. And I don't know if that just doesn't translate, but for me, that's that's more than enough of entertainment is watching a real, tr- and I guess, yes, you have the timeout and it's time and there's a time limit associated with it and you can't just have people out there freestyling all day long. But I think that's why I like certain teams that kind of give that vibe to some of their performances. Yes, there's a formation and everything, but it's also building that kind of that kind of vibe into the performance because to me that is entertaining as hell like that's what I would want to see of any hip-hop crew is just what you described and not like just not just but not on a platform or you know it's that to me is quality entertainment for this for the field for the court and I know that there's considerations I guess as to why that isn't necessarily the case but that's how man just that energy I think it translates what do y'all think now I started another conversation thread, but damn it, I think that's dope. <laughs> I see why that's your favorite memory. I mean, I will say the the biggest reaction we got from the crowd was when we were able to be ourselves. And, and, and when it was like actually just Blue Crew only, right? Like the couple routines we had with Rob Riches, Michelle Vaughn's, another Michelle piece, like when we were actually like totally being ourselves and people can feel that authenticity, like... That's when we knew we had the crowd. And mind you, we were doing it without like uh, the lights off. Like we were performing it with all of the lights on, but it's like the music choice. Like if you're going to do this, like pick pieces that suit who you have and will bring the audience into it. Like we're just lucky that the song choice and the concept uh, were things that were really inviting and engaging. I feel like the most important thing about that is like the authenticity and the genuineness and not like authentic like like old school pure head hip-hop whatever but like I think oftentimes the audience as a whole is smarter than they're given credit and they can tell when something's kind of placed and staged and curated you know and I think it's very refreshing to see people like watch Matt perform and be like dang he's probably he looks like he's having a great time like and to have like a very genuine unfiltered reaction to that I think has a there's a value to that that I think is often overlooked for me at least yeah I, I totally agree with that and it makes me think of those moments when 
you become a big fan of a player it's when you watch them like in those moments that they have real human like emotion I guess and that's same with dance too I guess that is so true I just hope for everybody listening that you have learned a thing or two about just the perspectives of the both the dancers speaking to great leadership and examples of that so that people can understand maybe bits and pieces that they can take back to their team or their captains or their um, coaches and and push for something that feels true to you. And then having the right mindset of preparing for auditions, whether you are trying for a separate hip hop crew or not, or trying to improve as a dancer so that you're more well-rounded and that you can approach training for hip hop in the right kind of way with the right intention and the right amount of research and that knowledge for learning from the greats. I just think this is perfect. And I'm just so happy that this happened before the end of the season. I cannot thank you guys enough for this. I think the conversation will hopefully spark more conversations and I had the right group of people to make this happen. So thank you so much for your time tonight. Like this was dope. Thank you, Kayla, co-host. What? What? (laughs) Thanks guys. Yeah. It was so great to hear your different like feedback and experiences from your own teams. So that was really cool, really special. Thank you all so much. Definitely appreciate you guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. You can follow your favorite podcast on social media at Pro Cheerleading Podcast on Instagram, at Pro Cheer Podcast on Twitter. We're on Facebook, on YouTube, and you can support your favorite podcast on Patreon. Until next time, keep your eyes on the sidelines.